Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. As always, thank you for joining us. And I'm excited to jump in today and introduce you to cheerleader of hope, author, speaker, chronic pain educator. Joining me on the call, Barbie Engel. Barbie, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ted. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me and letting me share with your audience, and hopefully they will get a lot out of this. They might even want to get a paper and pen to write down some notes. <laughs> Absolutely. And if our audience uh, is our loyal listeners, they they know that I have some some notes written down along the way, and we like to recap it towards the end, but certainly a great a great tip there is to have a pen and paper ready because we share a lot of advice and tips here on really how to take actionable steps towards the path out of our storms. And we all go through different storms. I'd love for you to introduce yourself really quick to our listeners and our audience that who might not have been able to get introduced to you before. What exactly do you do and how did you get there from, from the road before? Yeah. So my journey through healthcare, which is what I'm here to talk about, started really when I was 29 years old, 26, I got endometriosis, but 29 really started my healthcare journey. I wish that it was taught from childhood. I grew up, I had learning disabilities. I had struggled with through school and sports, although I did participate in a lot of sports, including cheerleading, gymnastics, track team, soccer. I did a lot of different activities, but I didn't really focus on healthcare. I didn't focus on good posture and drinking water and doing things that as an adult, it would have helped me. So I wish people would, would do that. But as I said, I developed endometriosis at the age of 26. And then when I turned 29, I thought, oh, I beat it. I had surgery and, and shots and jet injections and, and ended up feeling like I beat endometriosis, although I'll always have endometriosis. What is endometriosis? It's a woman's disease. Men cannot get it. So you're lucky in that way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But it's when your uterus grows or cells from your uterus grow outside of your uterus. Mm -hmm. So women typically have like a monthly period and they bleed for that, that time. And that helps their cycle to have children. And when you have endometriosis, that uterine lining, those cells grow outside of the uterus. So it starts growing in your abdomen. It can attach to organs. And, oh, wow. and instead of having like a period for a few days a month, you're starting to bleed more often and you get anemia, which is um, low iron and, and low energy from that, as well as it's pretty painful. I don't know if you have somebody significant in your life besides your mother that has periods or had periods, but um, they can be quite painful to yeah. go through. Imagine having something that's keeping you bleeding most days of the month and that pain is accompanied with it. Sorry you went so, through that. <laughs> Yeah. So that, that I feel like I conquered the world, you know, I'll obviously in rainbows everywhere. Like, woo, I beat it. And um, as an athlete growing up, I, I had injuries and challenges that I had to face and go through. But then when I turned 29, I was in a minor car accident and that eight seconds changed my life. It triggered a rare disease that I didn't know that I had. 
And turns out a couple of my other family members have this rare disease. And it took me three years, 42 doctors to get a proper diagnosis. I even had gone to a doctor and said, hey, I think I have this disease. My stepsister has it. I have every single symptom. And they said, 100%, you don't have it, but never tested me. They didn't believe me. They thought I was exaggerating or catastrophizing the situation because it got triggered by this car accident and this minor trauma. But my whole life changed. And I went from being a Division 1A collegiate coach at, at Washington State University, coaching cheerleading and dance and the mascot program. I had 56 student athletes under my program to being bed bound and struggling to do my job. I would sit in my office during the day with the door locked and sleep in my office. But I would only sleep for about 30 to 45 minutes at a time around the clock. I could never get enough sleep, but I could never stay asleep. Oh, and that, that'll drive you nuts. <laughs> so I would go to practice or go coach at a game. And then I would go back to my office or go home and try to sleep. Oh, wow. and it caused a lot of challenges and problems. But the biggest thing was not having access to care because I couldn't get a diagnosis. How did you, I guess, the three years, 42 doctors, I'm sure someone else, for example, I was thankful where when I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, it only took me a couple months of tests. Yeah. But how were you able, if maybe you can give advice to someone else that might be going down this path and they want to minimize the three years and 42 doctors to something as short as possible, what would, advice would you give them that you wish you would have known to kind of minimize that somehow? There's a couple of pieces. So communication. I would go into the doctor's office and I would be crying and just saying, fix me, fix me. My body feels like it's on fire. Well, I didn't say that even. I would just say, fix me. I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. And when I finally got to that 43rd doctor, that's when I started using my adjectives <laughs> to describe. I have burning fire pain all the time. It feels like someone put lighter fluid in my veins and caught me on fire. Then I also have these other pains, but they come and go. I'm passing out. I am uh, having vertigo where everything flips upside down and my brain's telling me I'm on the ceiling. And I'm now I'm trying to get back to the floor when I'm laying on the floor. I started using adjectives and describing what I was going through. Up until that point, the first 42 doctors, they looked at what they specifically do. So if they were a heart doctor or a lung doctor, they were only looking at that dysfunction and they were not taking into consideration my whole being. Oh, wow. Yeah. Make sure that when you go in and you're looking for answers, you communicate, use your adjectives, and make sure they're looking at all of you, not just their specialty. Because it may, maybe it's a rare disease. They say to doctors, if it looks like a horse and it sounds like a horse, put it in the pasture with the horses. Mm -hmm. I was a zebra or maybe even a zebra blowfish. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely not a horse, but they kept throwing me in the same pasture with the horses. And that's not what I needed. If you mm -hmm. can get into the right area, you can get better access to care. You can get diagnosed sooner. The other thing is with my family and friends, I would suggest people set the expectation as soon as possible. Mm. So I, I lost a lot of friends. My own family thought 
they, they said Barbie wouldn't have given up the life that she built for herself with all the challenges she grew up with. She would not have done this. Like I was living my dream and they recognized that something was wrong. They just didn't know how to help me. Mm-hmm. As soon as I got a diagnosis, I could set the expectation and say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm facing. These areas may be better if I get the right treatment. This is going to progress and this is going to get worse if I don't. Having that ability to set the expectation with your family and friends will help your network around you, help keep you as strong as you can be. And then the third thing is don't just rely on your your network. Don't just say this doctor's wearing this white coat. They're going to fix me. Don't just believe in everybody else. You have to believe in yourself. You have to take action for yourself and be responsible for what your care is. You see that doctor for 15 minutes once a month. You need to take care of yourself for the rest of the time in between. If you have a game plan Make sure you're following it. If you're supposed to take medications, make sure you're doing them. Make sure you're researching all the things that the doctors and nurses and physical therapists are suggesting so that you know, this is helping me. This is hurting me. I need to cut this out. If the doctor says do physical therapy for a month and you're doing what they're telling you to do, but you're leaving, vomiting, walking into walls, passing out from the pain it's causing, it might not be the right type of physical therapy. Question it. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Raymond Nichols, he likes to say, he's like, you know, your health is your responsibility. And you know, these are these are professionals and folks who have dedicated their lives to your health. But in the field that they're advising you in, it's just that it's advisement. This is what should be best for the situation that you're in. But the choices we make. It's really our responsibility to follow through on the treatment, follow through on the meds, taking them as prescribed, following, and then, like you mentioned, communicating what we're going through in that process. And speaking of processes, what was that process like when you set your expectations, you had the diagnosis, and you mentioned, I mean, Division 1A head coach, cheerleading and dance, to now you're transitioning with this new reality. What was that like? Such a struggle. I felt like looking back, I see God was throwing pebbles in my life Mm -hmm. and then they turned into rocks and then they turned into boulders. And most of the seven years, because it took three to get a diagnosis, it took another four years to get the right treatment for me. We're all individual and what we need is not the same as the person next to us, even if they're family. Mm -hmm. So Finding what was right for me, I spent most of that seven years in a wheelchair. I went from the top of the world, having my own cheer and dance training company, being a head coach at a university, being in the top five for competition. We did cheer and dance competitions. I was in the top five of the country. I was named one of the top 100 coaches, top five choreographers. Yet I couldn't even do my job. I would go to practice and lay on the floor mm-hmm. and i started relying heavily on my team captains, even more than I ever had for the eight years before that, where, you know, I was responsible and did the scheduling and ordered the uniforms. And I would even like, oh, I want to have this special theme for Friday's Friday night's event. So I'm going to go make these outfits. And I would like make hula skirts and crop tops for the girls, like on my sewing machine. I was literally coming up with new outfits and designs for my team members to make sure that they looked good and they could perform to their best. 
And I went from that to laying down on the floor at practice, having team doctors and physical therapists try to help me when they had no idea about this rare disease. And I didn't either, but they were trying to help me with what they knew to do for an athlete, which was opposite of what I actually needed. Can I add something? Yeah. At this time, were they aware that you were looking for what was going on? I mean, I'm sure they they recognized something was going on. Were you kind of not sharing or were they just... Were just they as dumbfounded as you? They were dumbfounded. I was begging for help. Mm -hmm. And anything that they offered or suggested, I would just do it. And it was actually making me worse instead of making me better. As an athlete and as a coach, you know, I I would tell my own student athletes, get out there, suck it up, get a cortisone shot, tape it up, get Mm -hmm. out there. We need you. And then all of a sudden, I faced a challenge in my life that was so big so overwhelming that like even water hurt. So I couldn't even take showers every day anymore. I water felt like every drop of water was a hypodermic needle sticking me. Wow. And so literally my whole life changed. I had been married for 10 years. My marriage started falling apart because I was the breadwinner. I was what my husband was a house husband with no pets or kids. Well, it turns out he was doing things that he shouldn't have been doing, but, but <laughs> I could not do things any longer. And I started having to rely on him to do some things. And he's all of a sudden our life and dynamic changed and he couldn't handle it. And the doctors, I said, there came a time I could not coach anymore. And I realized that after we had had an event, March or not March Madness, at the beginning of basketball season, we have this kickoff event, yeah, Midnight Madness. And At Midnight Madness, we do like major performances and celebrations. And it's like this big pep rally. And I forgot to prep my teams for Midnight Madness. And they just looked ridiculous. It was was a hot mess. (laughs) First time ever. And they were like, coach, like you just threw us into this event. We didn't even have a routine to perform. And I started noticing things like this falling apart. I used to do the month schedule. Everything was organized. Wear these uniforms, wear this hair bow, these socks, you know, bring this. Here's a list of all the things to bring. I would even schedule, have fun on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, that was just a little ridiculous. But um, <laughs> I was like, you're supposed to love cheerleading. You're supposed to love dance. So this is when you can have fun, right? In this 15 minutes. But I I went from (laughs) scheduling everything to not being able to schedule, not being able to organize, coordinate. And that's my superpower in life is organization. So it literally just went out the window. When you're in that much pain, you can't even think about the small things. The big things are so overwhelming that it's like you're in a category five hurricane Mm -hmm. and everything's swirling around you and you're just trying to dodge it. Yeah. And, and find your way out of the hurricane. And that's that's what I was doing, grasping, trying to hold on. I I tried to hold on to my marriage. I went to I went to marriage counseling and my husband wouldn't go. <laughs> so it can't can't really work when you're not communicating. But I remember curling up in a ball when I realized I just curled up in a ball and cried hysterically. Like I've never cried in my life, partially from the pain, but partially the emotional aspects of seeing my life that I built and worked so hard to accomplish just go down the drain and all of that is gone. 
I went from top of the world to food stamps, literally, and lost my marriage, lost my ability to drive and had no answers from all these providers, from doctors, nurses, physical therapists, everybody around me. I even had a sports psychologist on staff. I was not getting the help that I needed. And I went to them and said, what should I do? And they said, we don't know what's wrong with you, but we think that going to Arizona, you'll get better health care and you'll get better weather because the weather on the Palouse in, in Washington state, it's a high desert. Now I'm in a low desert, but the barometric pressure changes, the, the cold snow was making me worse. And they could all recognize something was wrong. They knew something was wrong. They just didn't know what it was or how to fix it. And they suggest I move to Arizona, which now I've traveled to four different states since then to get care. Wow. <laughs> um, but I, I I'm not moving again. Something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're staying put. You're staying yes. put. Yes. So this, there's a two-part question to this. And first, I can only imagine being in the center of that, that hurricane, that storm. And much often like a hurricane has an eye of the storm. There's this, I guess, moment almost in the thick of it, in the worst of it, where there's possibly a sign of clarity or a sign of direction. Um, So my two-part question, the first part might be hard to answer in terms of when you were mentioning that the physical pain, but also crying because of the emotional pain. In that moment, which one do you think hurt the most? And Following up with that, because I want to kind of, you know, bring the the rainbow into picture is, you know, what was that that moment of clarity in that life raft that came to help guide you out of that that deep spot? Yeah. So in that moment, the challenge was I lost everything and I realized it. And I think that the emotional aspect of something that I had spent I started when I was four years old and trained for for what I was living in my life. So 26 years of my life were gone. And that was the moment I realized it. So the emotional aspects of not knowing what's wrong with me, feeling like I'm crazy when I know something is physically wrong, but I can't do anything about it. And the emotional aspect of losing everything that I worked so hard to do and overcome growing up with learning disabilities and knowing that I had these extra challenges. I had to go to summer school every summer. Like I could overcome physical. I've always, I had always overcome the physical challenges I faced all of a sudden, literally everything in my life was wrong. That emotional state is so vulnerable and so painful, not just in your heart, like, oh, this hurts, but also in your brain of what was the last 26 years of my life? I thought this was my purpose from God to be a cheerleader. Like I remember at four years old telling my dad, I saw the cheerleaders down on the field. And I said, I'm going to do that the rest of my life. And he was like, no, you're not, but okay. Um, (laughs) And, and here I was living my dreams that I knew God wanted me to be a cheerleader since the first day I saw a cheerleader and how they commanded the crowd and what they were doing and inspiring and motivating people. I, that's what I wanted to do. My moment of clarity was doctors over and over and over again for three years telling me, you're never going to have that back. You're never going to be a cheerleader again. And realizing that all of the things that I learned in cheerleading, besides wearing a cute skirt, looking pretty and shaking my palms, I 
had so many other skills that I learned. Motivation, time management, organization, what it means to be on a team, sacrifice, courage, all these things were still who I am and still a part of me. Mm-hmm. And that was my moment of clarity of you can't tell me I'm not going to be a cheerleader. I might not physically be doing a backflip and getting thrown up in a basket toss, but I am going to use all the other parts of cheerleading to make a difference in this world. And that's what God wants me to do. So I shifted from being a physical cheerleader to a mental cheerleader. And if I can do it, I know anybody else can do it. And there's a million ways to accomplish something. And I was shown that. One of the things that um, moving to Arizona, one of the doctors told me I was going to die if I did not have my rib out. And in that process, he made some mistakes. And I had five lung collapses. One was a full collapse. And I went into cardiac arrest that, you know, they're doing me in emergency surgery. I woke up like heaven doesn't look like I thought it would. It was a hospital room and I was still here on earth, but my life flashed before me. And it, it showed me that what matters in life is human connection and that I am a cheerleader. No one can take, they can take the cheer away from me, but they can't take the cheerleader out of me. And that I just had to use those skills and refocus them and change my mindset and what actions I'm able to take to accomplish my purpose here on earth. And that was my moment of clarity. Oh, wow. All right. No rain, no rainbows crew. Do you, do you hear the cheerleader hope right here? That was amazing because I mean, being on that Island, unfortunately, I know some of our listeners could relate to, to just being lost, but finding that, and, and I could hear the shift in your voice. I can almost hear the motivation, the inspiration, the purpose, and really the commitment within you when, when you shifted to talking about, you know, you cannot tell me I'm not going to be a cheerleader. And that was the perfect answer to, to another question I had. I was going to ask about the identity. We link ourselves so hard to, to what we have or what we're doing where we don't realize that we're just within this role or this position, our execution in that can be applied into so many arenas. And it's it's almost like where a hammer in my hand might just be a simple tool to put a nail in a piece of wood in the skilled carpenter's hand. It's the tool to build a home. So it's not necessarily what we're doing. It's what we do with it. That How, how is that shift process for you? I totally agree. And during that process, I was going to counseling and one of the therapists, his name was Scott. He said, Barbie, I have a homework assignment for you. Cause I was like, I'm nothing. I suck. I lost everything. I couldn't even keep my marriage together. Like what, who, what am I? Mm-hmm. And he taught me, well, he said, go do this exercise. And it was called the, I am exercise. And I think Even now, people who follow me online, I often will post I am and then I'll put an adjective or something that I am. And you can be two opposing things at the same time. Mm -hmm. You can be both. And through this exercise, he had me go home and do it. He gave me a week to do the homework. He called me halfway through the week and he's like, how's your list coming? I'm like, I suck. I have nothing on my list. And he's like, well, let's get you started. And um, he helped me get my list started. By the time I saw him, I had like 50 things on my list. And by the time I left his office, I had 75 I am's of things that I, I am besides cheerleader, besides coach. I, you know, I'm, I'm not coach Barbie anymore. Who and what am I? What's my purpose? And 
I still, to this day, 20 something years later, I still use my I am's and I pull out my list when I'm having a hard time. And all my list, it doesn't say the things I did for a living. It says who I am, bubbly, bright, brilliant. You know, I am educated. I am a fierce. I am strong. You know, all of my I am's. And when I'm having those challenges and there's a storm happening around me, I go back to who am I? What is my I am? Where can I draw strength from? And it's all in me. And whatever strength I need to pull up at that time, I can do that. And I can go back to my list when I'm struggling to see the beauty and the positivity in what I'm going through. And it's kind of like finding rainbows yeah, (laughs) or or turning around away from the storm to see the rainbow and say, oh, there it is. There's what that's the piece. That's what I'm looking for. And having that ability to stop what I'm doing, turn around and look. And I encourage other people, create your own I am list because it really is a sense of self, positivity and motivation. And you know, it really can change your life, your perspective and what you're doing. And I even have a guy, Z, he's another patient advocate. He makes daily messages of I am's for me and posts that and shares that out. And it's really cool to see one day I'm going to make it into like a blanket or something, maybe a large graphic. Nice. But to see all my I am's in that kind of art form and, and say, hey, yeah, I'm all those things like share my list with everybody. But it, it helps other people also because people have a perceived notion of who somebody is mm-hmm. based on like a limited time or space that they spent with them. And seeing all my I am's and saying, this is, this is, I am all these things. It gives other people a perspective of who and what my purpose is here on earth. It's my way of sharing that. Yeah. It's the affirmations and the way we talk to ourselves that that really kind of dictate yes. how we treat ourselves. And that goes back to when we were first talking about following the regiment that our doctors give us. That you know, there's oftentimes we're gonna we're more likely to pay attention to someone we love and how they take their medicine than taking <laughs> care of ourselves and taking yes. our medicine down. And and but <laughs> you got to pay attention to yourself, but also the people around you. If somebody's around you and they're talking negative about themselves, I will say, stop. Nope. That's not, that's not who you are. That is not your mirror. Stop mm-hmm. looking in that. Don't look that way. Look the other way because you're all these things. You're all these positives. And I, I will remind other people of who they are. And like, this is the reflection you give me. You're a positive, happy, bright, smiling person. Yes, you're having a challenge. Yes, you're in the middle of this storm, but you are more than this moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting other people to realize that doesn't just help them. It also helps me stay positive. It's like when your team is losing 50 to zero, how do you stay down there and perform on the sidelines and try to motivate the crowd? It's still your job to motivate the crowd. It's still your job to be positive and keep human connection and human kindness and humanity going and flowing. If you just say, oh, we're losing 50 to zero. Well, you know what? Maybe in the last one minute of the game, you can get it to 50 to three and you know, touchback or whatever three points is in football. <laughs> you could get those three points on the board and that it could still be a win celebrate that small win just as you would if you were the team scoring 50 yeah 
so I just took that, change it, rearrange it. And now it's part of my healthcare and taking care of myself and taking care of the other people around me in my network to say, hey, switch that to positive thinking. And yes, positive thinking. I hear those people now listening going, you can't just think your way through pain and mm-hmm. be positive. Yes, of course you can't. <laughs> it can make the whole situation better. It can make it easier to get through and it can help you stop and break it down into smaller chunks so that you can make it through to your next moment and know that tomorrow or in 10 minutes, it could be a better moment. It could be a better day. And knowing that and using it, okay, yep, this moment might suck, but this moment will end and a good moment will come and it doesn't end. The game's not over until you pass on and you're no longer on this realm of earth. Mm -hmm. And while you're here, you're supposed to be fulfilling a purpose. Find your purpose and fulfill it. Oh, wow. (laughs) ladies and gentlemen the cheerleader of hope barbie engel i wish we had more time because i feel like we only just scratched the surface but i do know that you could offer so much help for anyone listening that that might be going through their own battle i I know what it's like having something going on going in and out of doctor's offices i had colonoscopies endoscopies sonograms blood work and you're okay just give me an answer i've been there (laughs) (laughs) so for anybody who might be kind of in the thick of that or even in a point where they, they have the, the chronic pain that they're now trying to adjust to living with, I would love for them to have an opportunity to reach out to you and connect with you. What are some of the best avenues? There's two. One, my personal website, barbieingle.com. You can find out all about me, the different projects, my books, and all the things that I'm working on. And then on the foundation side, International Pain Foundation, we say I pain, International pain.org is the website for that. And they do awareness, education, social events, and access to care. And uh, so many projects. We help people with over 150 different conditions that involve pain. And we have so many resources. It's a great place to start. And all of our social media, both personally and through iPain, are right there on our homepage. Awesome. And I'll have those links in the show notes so folks can uh, definitely even open up the app that they're listening to right now. Or if they're watching on YouTube, they could just go down in the comments and uh, they can get the links and go to those resources right there. But Barbie, thank you so much. This has not only been very valuable in terms of the strategies and the approaches in which we can get better healthcare, but hugely beneficial in terms of of how transparent and and vulnerable you were with your story. So thank you for that and, and the inspiration behind it too. Thank you. And I want to ask your listeners right now, give Ted five stars a great rating, leave a comment, let him know how awesome he is, how his podcast is helping you get through your life and do it right now before you, well, not right now, wait till you're done listening to this episode. (laughs) And before you listen to the next, do it then leave him a five-star rating and tell him he's awesome. And thank you for all the work that he's doing to help humanity. I appreciate that so much, Barbie. And I I promise I am not paying her to say that. (laughs) I just think you're awesome. So I want people to also show you their appreciation and thank you for everything that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate you being on today. I do want to recap some of the gems that you left along the way really quick. And as you said at the start, grab the pen and paper because there was a lot of notes to take down for anyone that missed it. I wish that this was taught through childhood. When you said that, you know, one of the things 
I'm not a parent yet, but I hear a lot of parents talk about, we just want our kids to be safe. We want them to be ready for the world. So when you hear someone say that, that's kind of, for me, one of those things where we need our kids to understand this, know this, and growing up help more people understand the process of getting help. Because as you mentioned, three years, 42 doctors, learning from the start, being able to communicate using your adjectives and understanding where a specialist might be looking at one part of you, not the whole of you. Understanding how we acquire help could be hugely beneficial in minimizing the time it takes to find a diagnosis and then setting the expectation as soon as possible, letting your family know there's some things I can't do anymore. There's some things I'm going to need help with. This is the expectations. These are the limitations. And having that understanding helps the relationships moving forward. And when when Barbie said even water hurt, it's so hard for us to imagine sometimes, sometimes the pain that someone else is going through, especially if we're caring for someone and we want to lean into, hey, just you know, toughen it up or come on, it can't be that bad. Just think of the perspective of, you know, even water hurts. We can only imagine sometimes what some folks are going through. 26 years realizing gone in an instant, but transitioning that into, you know, that is not all of me. I have so many useful things to move forward to. I am a cheerleader. You cannot tell me I'm not going to be a cheerleader. And then into the I am, making a list of I am and the affirmations and knowing who we are. Uh, We've mentioned the storm a lot. One of my favorite quotes talks about the skilled sailor is not afraid of the storms because the storms made the sailor skilled. Right now, where we are, if we are in a storm, this is the practice that hopefully we can teach to someone else so they can navigate the storms better. And Barbie, thank you for helping us navigate these storms a little bit better. We really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And to the folks that made it to the end, as Barbie mentioned before, leave us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. We would love to hear your feedback and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can get a new episode each and every single week. If you love the podcast so much and you want to support monetarily and also hear some extra content from Barbie and other guests from the show, be sure to check out our Patreon page and where you can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. Guys, thank you so much for making it to the end. And as we always say, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without going through the pain. Bless girl.